0: probably the real secret with Jim is that he's passionate about what he does and so it wasn't just I'm gonna try to sell you a bike I'm passionate about what I do I'm passionate about cycling and he showed that passion by the way he treated his customers
1: Jim Fox and welcome to the Loom Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live. Welcome to the Innovation Podcast. I'm Jim Fox, and I'm at Richardson Bike Mart in McKinney, Texas. Today, we're going to spend a bit of time talking about a unique cycling event here in Northeast Texas, which will serve as a fundraiser for further development and maintenance of the Northeast Texas Trail, while also honoring a Texas cycling legend. Our first guest is Bob Moody, who is the Northeast Texas Trail representative for the city of Celeste and Hunt County, Texas. He is also one of the co-chairs of the brand-new Texas Legends of Cycling event. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you, Jim. Our next guest is Dan Reinbold, who is also co-chair of the upcoming Texas Legends of Cycling event, and he also has the unfortunate curse of being a friend of mine. Sorry about that, Dan. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks.
2: Good, good to be here, Jim. All right, good. You're still my friend.
1: Okay, well, that's good to, good to know. Our next guest is Max Miley, who is the sales and sponsorship manager here at Richardson Bike Mart. Don't let the salesman shirt fool you. Max is quite the cyclist. He's accumulated plenty of trophies in his road racing career here in the Texas area. Welcome to the show, Max. Welcome. This, this show is going to be a bit like a, uh, a fun bike ride around northeast Texas. We're going to start in the northeast Texas Trail and then head south on U.S. Highway 69, right? Heading toward Greenville, talk about some of the events in Greenville. Then we'll head west about 40 miles on U.S. 380 and end up right back here at the Richardson Bike Mart. What do you say, Bob? you want to lead the draft pack in the first segment?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I was just telling Max earlier I uh, had an opportunity to ride the Paris to Roxton section right now of the Northeast Texas Trail, which is about a 10-mile route uh, under construction right now, and it was a really, really good ride, and we're anxious to finish the construction so that we can get people from Paris down to Roxton, which is one of our smaller trail towns.
1: Talk about the big picture. How long is the trail? Where does it go to, the starting and end points, uh, kind of the big picture things. Our
3: western terminus is in Farmersville, Texas, and we go through um, seven counties and 19 towns for a total of 130 miles. And we end up in New Boston, which is now our eastern terminus, and we have paved sections in both both ends of the trail, Farmersville and, and... New Boston, and the rest of the trail is in various levels of condition from paved to uh, primitive.
1: Little-known fact, I, uh, on the way here today, I stopped in at Farmersville and checked out the trailhead. And uh, Farmersville is kind of a neat little town, and uh, the trailhead is definitely encouraging. makes me want to get a bike and go another 131 miles down it.
3: Well, the onion <laughs> shed is, really the, neat is the focus because it's right at the trailhead, and that's where the depot used to be, and they did the onion business right there.
1: That's, that's pretty cool. There's a lot of history there. Uh, talk, about, talk about the history of the trail. When did it start? Um, how did it come about?
3: Well, the Chaparral Trail was um, the section between Farmersville and Paris. Originally, it was about 62 miles. And it was originally rail banked by the Surface Transportation Board in 1995.
1: I've been reading a bit about rail banking, but I bet the listeners don't know what that is. Talk about what well, that is. Well, rail
3: banking is an idea that the railroad donates the property to... An agency which then takes control of it and tries to protect it and care for it, and turning it into a recreational trail.
1: Okay, and the uh, legally those railroads can actually reclaim that land, but they that virtually they virtually never do, though, right? Uh, doubtful. Very yeah. Doubtful. It'd be kind of bad PR among other things. <laughs> but uh, well, it's good to know that they've done that. And that's uh, so it, when it started back in the early 80s, was it? When 95.
3: Okay. Did it start
1: as one whole big segment that just needed development, or has it been piece by piece? That was
3: just the section uh, between Farmersville and Paris, and then a gentleman by the name of Earl Erickson, who came up from Pasadena, where he was real involved with the recreation department down there, moved to Paris to be closer to his kids, and got interested in developing the Trail to Paris, which is kind of our showpiece, if you will, because it's right in the middle of the trail, and he decided that we've got to make this thing work, so he decided to start a coalition and invited a bunch of us to come to Paris and recruited us to join the board and form this advocacy group. And from there, we've gotten grants, and we're just moving along full steam ahead.
1: So we're only about, what is it, 20 or 25 miles from the trailhead here at uh, Richardson Bike Mart? I would think maybe even...
3: Maybe even less. Yeah. Has any of less.
1: Has any of the uh, the bikers and hikers come into the shop directly from the trail? I mean, do people say, "Hey, I'm going to go shop for a bike or a bike part because I, I do that trail regularly."
0: We we have people that are yeah they're, that come in and and ask about you know b- certain types of bikes and what would be best for the trail and and uh, it's really kind of a new classification. It's kind of an adventure bike, um, uh, gravel. You'll hear gravel bike. You'll hear you know different terms used for it, but. Uh, There's actually become a a kind of a a class of bikes now that that is really ideal for that type of trail. A a mountain bike will work on that trail, in some cases work better in some areas, but uh, um, kind of an all-around bike that looks a little more like a road bike, but it's got uh, knobby, some knobby tires, wider tires. So there are some of
1: segments of that that are either paved or concrete, some other that is cut crushed gravel and some others I've read that, that even you've, you're expected to walk your bike across some of the undeveloped uh, railroad trestles, is yeah, that right? Yeah, that's correct.
3: We're, we're okay. not anywhere near being complete, but uh, we're making great strides and uh, this paris Roxton section is a perfect example.
1: Dan, have you ridden the trail yet or parts of it?
3: Uh, yeah, I have. Um,
2: a couple of events uh, use the trail. Uh, uh, one of them... Um, I did a couple years ago. Uh, We went on the trail part of it uh, from Farmersville to Merritt, which is crushed granite, uh, which you can use a road bike on that. And that's what I rode a road bike on. But the rest, I don't have a mountain bike or a gravel bike, so I haven't been on any other. I was just
1: just thinking here around the table, what do you you think? There's 200,000 miles of biking?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've personally probably ridden 250 myself. Okay, oh so that's,
1: that's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. I know you've got a few wins over the years as well, and that's, that's pretty good. And, Dan, I know you've done at least, what, 12 or 15 RAG rides, which are 400 and 500 miles or so each time. and A few miles. Of the road, that's yeah. Yeah, tons and tons of miles here around the table. It's kind of amazing. But, so what's the next step? What, uh, what is the next step for the Northeast Texas Trail?
3: Well, we've got a grant approved to finalize this section uh, between Paris and Roxton where we'll be putting down a surface very much like the decomposed granite that we have in Farmersville. So that will be a completed section probably within two and a half years. Uh, We also have uh, grants approved uh, out east of Paris, which uh, are in the process of being completed. And we're gonna be focusing on Texas Parks and Wildlife grants, which are basically a $250,000 grant. We're trying to raise the funds in different sections of the trail to the tune of 40 to 50,000 in order to match what texas parks and wildlife requires to probably work on maybe four to six to eight miles of trail with that one grant
1: sounds like you've done this a while to kind of learn some of the tricks but imagine someone in another state or another part of the country that that sees an abandoned railroad track and they want to start a trail near them what are some of the beginning things that they need to know to kind of get the ball rolling
3: well they've got to find they got to talk to earl erickson is what they have to do (laughs) because earl's the master of the grants and you got to have a grant writer Okay, and we've got a guy who does it pro bono for us, a guy by the name of Charles Edwards out of Paris. Uh, We now have an executive director. Uh, When you're first starting a trail, you're not gonna be able to afford an executive director, but you need to find out how to get money, how to raise funds, and then use those funds to magnify them, four to one is the grant um, uh, match ratio. Texas Parks and Wildlife puts up 250, we put up 50.
1: Okay, is there a kind of a national organization as opposed to just going to the Texas Parks and Wildlife? What if you're in Oklahoma or West Virginia there or something? Is
3: a, there is a conservancy called Rails to Trails. Okay. It's out of Washington, D.C., and uh, they provide some level of help. But frankly, um, you can get guidance from them, but you're pretty much uh, pretty much on your own.
1: So if an individual out there is listening and they want to donate 20 or 50 bucks, how do they do that? Is there a, way, a mechanism right now where someone could you know send you paypal money or some other way to donate
3: absolutely yeah they go to northeast texas trail netexastrail.org
1: netexastrail.org
3: netexastrail.org and you can surf the website but before you do that there's a little button up in the right hand corner says donate okay just tap on that and then just send us a bunch of money and we'll use it to match and we'll use that money that you give us and magnify it by four times
1: do you have any feel for how much money you get sent through that per month or per year through your website there do you have any guess on i that? really don't got um, it okay
3: we have people donate to the trail because they want us to build bridges or put railings on or and uh, they'll donate 400 500 a piece and uh that's
1: pretty nice. NETexasTrail.org is NETexastrail.org. the website. NETexasTrail.org. Very cool. And it is actually a pretty good website. They've got maps uh, on there. You can click on each section, and talk. It, it talks about how many miles of that section are paved or gravel or whatever and describes it pretty well. Uh, reading through that, it reminded me, last year, Dan, at RAGBRAI, we went to the trail up in Minnesota, and we stopped at the Aroma Pie Shop there in uh, Lanesboro, Minnesota.
2: <laughs> Wayland, yeah. What's Wayland, that? Minnesota.
1: Well, yeah, uh, near I, Lanesboro. Okay. Yeah. Um, but th- w- what was cool about that is that that business probably would exist without the nearby trail, but it was definitely helped by that trail. Do you, you is that is that your experience as I, well or that, that I, I,
2: I actually I've told Bob this too. I grew up in Lanesboro, Minnesota. I huh. spent part of my early years in elementary school there, and um, it, it was it was pretty much a ghost town. Uh, all the downtown the buildings were dilapidated weren't up and when that trail came in i think that trail was in the 80s early 90s it started and it completely turned around the real estate values in that town and the economy of that town it's a rural farming town um, and today most i i have relatives that live there and today very few of the local people actually own any of the buildings because the price range has gone out of sight for the local people and poor investors from Minneapolis-St. Paul and pretty much own all the all the buildings. So I
1: bring that up because uh, people that maybe aren't into cycling or hiking or biking or whatever uh, think, all right, let's raise a bunch of money and get a trail and that trail only helps the few people that cycle. But it really doesn't. It helps the entire community. It's it's Mm -hmm. getting businesses to sprout up around it. And like say, who would think that a pie shop would be an offshoot of a bike trail? But it absolutely is there in in Minnesota. Um, what other things are happening in those towns along the Northeast Texas Trail like that that are make, making businesses pop up? Uh, have you seen any of the side effects from that yet? Well, well
3: yesterday, just as a for instance, um, we went into the Roxton Cafe after we rode, and there was another couple that were out on the road, so they came to the to the trailhead there in Roxton and went for a ride, came to eat cafe after its Cafe was mobbed. Okay, it was great, but they've... Recently, developed a group called the Friends of Roxton. Roxton Friends of the Trail. They've raised over $15,000 in about two months. Wow! That we can
1: use to match, match these Great. funding. What about the possibility of getting a Richardson Bike Mart right on the trail? Is, uh, do you think there's enough business to support something like that?
0: Uh, not yet. Okay. Not, you know, it's it's you, you got to have a pretty good population to support it to really support a bike shop of the level that we usually put together. I see. Um, you know, I think probably what you would see first is some little small, you know, kind of mom-and-pop type shop that would pop up. Or
1: and even then, a mobile van or something. That yeah,
0: like something like that. we do have a mobile van, and so, I mean, I, I can see that in the future, maybe for certain events, certain weekends, something like that, t- sending that out there. But, uh, you yeah, know, I mean, it's still kind of, it's even though it's been around for quite a while, it's still in the early stages as far as the trail is concerned. And, and huh. uh, a lot of people you know, still don't know about it. And I think as it gets more and more developed where a wider population can actually use it, yep. um, people that aren't serious cyclists, people that are, um, you know, not, uh, they're, 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 a lot of people aren't gonna wanna go bushwhack or, you know, get through a, a rough section, that type of thing. Like up in Paris and that area, I know I've ridden up there, it's super smooth. Tons of people walk on the trail, use the trail for running and all kinds of different things. Once it starts to be that kind of multi-use, that's when it really grows that population of users.
1: A bit of a side story. Um, Backtown, home where I live, just south of Houston, there is a, um, a couple of towns near there are, are pushing to get hiking bike trails throughout the, throughout the towns. They're very urban. It's not like the rural trail of northeast Texas going out through the country. But uh, there's one section there that's about two miles long of a 12-foot wide sidewalk. It's got painted yellow stripes down it just like a road would. And uh, as soon as they put that in, I noticed a, an older fella, maybe six years, seven years old, and pretty significantly overweight, started walking it immediately as soon as it put it in. And it's been about a year, and every day, every day driving to work, I see him walking. He's smaller <laughs> than he was a year ago. Um, so that's just the, having that trail right in front of his apartment. I'm. I haven't talked to him, but I'm assuming it's like, well, there's a trail, let's go use it. He probably was not a trail user until that was put in right in front of his house or right. in front of his apartment. So, so there's unexpected users that we probably don't know about yet. That once it gets fully developed and gets going in front of various communities and neighborhoods, it'll it'll get more and more use. So, definitely good. How long have you been uh, into cycling?
3: I started about '83. Okay, we ha- I've had a mountain bike that I got at the Rockwall store and started riding with the roadies, and they had thin tire bikes, and I worked that for about six months and finally figured out I was working too hard, so I went and got me a road bike. And
1: uh, Very cool. I it's been doing it's definitely good, and it's good to have these kind of trails around here uh, or throughout the country that you can ride that with. It's also an equestrian trail, right? Yes, it is. Okay. In uh, fact, and I
3: saw some hoof prints on the trail yesterday when we were riding.
1: Very cool. Yep. So you guys need all the support you can to help develop the trail and, and get more funding and more volunteers. And that's where Dan can come in because you've uh, had some involvement with a cycling event down in Greenville, and now you're starting a brand new kind of uh, companion event with that. Talk about the, your involvement over the years with those things. Okay,
2: well I I was part of the original group, and Bob, you were too, I think, that started the Cotton Patch uh, back then.
1: Um, Cotton Patch Challenge, a bike Cotton ride Patch in Challenge, Greenville, Right, Texas.
2: and it's changed its names through the years, but it's been basically the same location, different routes, um, and uh, we had our 20th anniversary come up in 2016 so the Rotary Club wanted to uh to see if there was something they could do to grow the event and so one of the Rotarians and I we brainstormed and and we thought of different ideas but we eventually came up with this concept of Texas Legends of Cycling um in a roundabout way we we were looking at well what isn't being done out there what is there something that maybe could be done that um that that could add to the event that's not being done by another cycling event and so we looked at uh there's really not anybody (coughs) recognizing people around texas that uh promote cycling events uh there's a lot of people promoting it like richmond bike mart and other bike shops and other um, clubs cycling clubs uh, racing clubs but there isn't really anybody that recognizes all the work that they do so we thought that would probably be a, a a good idea and right away uh, the first people we thought of were the Hoyts. The um, Hoyts, and yeah. we'll
1: get into some more details of them but very quickly who are the Hoyts? Uh
2: Jim Ronda Hoyt uh are the uh, uh were the former owners of Richson Bike Mart. Um and uh they uh they have been in the Dallas area. Um Max would probably know exactly, but probably uh, when I got involved in cycling in the 80s, I know Richmond Bike Mart. I heard a lot about Richmond Bike Mart, and they've always helped us with the bike event in Greenville for the, you know 20 some years now that we've been. And the I bike definitely
1: event. know the rides I've done down in Houston. You guys are making noise down there too. I, I hear, I see jerseys. I, I hear about that even 300 miles south. So yeah, it's you can.
0: I mean, you can pretty much go. You can go to events all over the country, and you, usually you'll find somebody that's got a bike mart jersey on. You know, and that kind of shows the scope of what Jim and Rhonda created.
1: Yeah, and we were calling it Richardson Bike Mart, but that's kind of a misnomer. There are several. How many bike marts are there?
0: There's four now. There's four one now. in and Dallas this is down by White Rock Lake. There's one in Frisco. Um, and the the main mother store is in Richardson, of course, and that's Richardson Bike Mart. But uh, then we just opened up this store here in McKinney um, recently. Got so it. we got four stores.
1: And Dan was telling me, I haven't been to the original one, but he was telling me that it is... Uh, basically a at it Walmart. It's a really large store, right?
0: It's, it's. I mean, arguably one of the largest stores in the world. I mean, I think as far as it's probably, I would want to say it's probably a top 10 as far as, sto- you know, the square footage. It's definitely um, big. And so it's a big uh, store.
1: Uh, very cool. And it's, I mean, you guys are involved in all kinds of sponsorship of various events and stuff. So you're, you're definitely making an impact in the cycling community just by going out and running a business. So it's it's definitely a good thing that you're you're involved with doing that. Talk more about uh, what's going on in Greenville. So how how can people get involved with that? What does it cost to pr- participate in the full weekend of activities? What do they get in return? Who all is going to be there? Those kind of things. Okay. Um, we start out Friday
2: night. Um, Friday night we're having a wine tasting at Landon Winery. September 14th, 15th, 16th. Uh, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. So Friday night would be the 14th. Uh, we have a wine tasting with Bob Landon at Landon Winery in Greenville. Uh, it should be, uh, I've, I've done his wine tasting before. I'm not a wine person myself, but I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the program that he puts on. It's pretty much impromptu. Uh, you taste a lot of different wines, and he tells you the stories about the wine. Um, and then he has his own little background stories that he throws in there. And it makes it really interesting and entertaining. Um, on Saturday, uh, there's a number, the uh, events held in conjunction with the Cotton Patch Classic challenge um, so you have the opportunity to ride one of the routes on the cotton patch challenge which ranges anywhere from 12 miles up to 73 miles i think this year
1: no century uh, ride this year no century
2: ride no no um we also have a gravel ride this year so a gravel grinder so if you're a gravel grinder we have a new gravel grinder and some of that
1: does go up to the Northeast Texas Trail, right? Is that, does that route Correct. touch the trail? Yes. Okay. Uh, there are
2: two events with the gravel grinder. I think one of them is going to be in the 30 to 40 mile range. The other one is going to be in the 60 to 70 mile range. Uh, we have a couple of local um, guys that do a lot of gravel riding that are working on that, and they're going to be uh, they're ref- they're fine tuning uh, the route. They're going to have a wet ride and a dry ride. Um, just in case we get a lot of rain uh and that will be posted on the website uh the actual routes where you could download it if you wanted to
1: okay yeah that one i was reading about last night and um you know most of the kind of weekend charity rides that we've all done have a pre uh pre-published route and signs out along the road road but the gravel grinder is is not that <laughs> at all it's it's uh kind of an unpublished unsupported portion of the gravel grinder ride right ride right <laughs>
2: correct and okay. uh Ben McGraw is one of the guys that are, are, is uh, uh, doing the gravel ride for us, um, and he's done a lot of gravel riding. He did the Dirty Kanza, uh back in, what is it, April or May, um, so he does a lot of gravel riding, and he's real experienced with it, and we've been advised that, you know, the gravel grinder is uh, not a lot of support on them. Um, you have a GPS, and you have a few signs, and that's what everybody's used to. Yeah, and uh, you should
1: download, the when the route gets published online, download that to your GPS the day before or the night before. and So you and have it. Yeah, yeah there yeah. will be
2: signs. Okay. There will be signs, and there is
1: going to be some support, and there will be one rest stop where the two routes diverge. Okay, so you talked about the Friday activities. Saturday, everyone's going to be putting tons of miles in. Uh, what happens Saturday night and Sunday morning? Uh, well, Saturday afternoon, there's going to be a reception for Jim and Rhonda um, okay.
2: at Landon Winery, where even if you didn't, if you, didn't, if you aren't participating in Texas Legend, you would have a chance to come by, talk to him, visit with him. Um, and, and that's at Landon Winery. Um, I think we have that set, Bob, 130. for one thirty. Okay. Um, so you don't have to be involved in Texas Legends to participate in that. On Saturday night at the Texan Theater in Greenville, uh, we have this wonder, wonderful venue uh, where we have music productions and plays put on. Um, we're going to have a banquet uh, starting at 6 o'clock. Okay, Starting at 6 o'clock and roughly it run from about 6 to 8 o'clock, something like that. Um, and uh, that will be a full meal uh, with that along with the presentations that we're going to get out from the net. We'll get presentations from some of the people who have known the Hoyts over the years and then uh, Jerry Morris is putting together a slideshow with pictures and um, I think Woody and some of the other Richardson Bike Mart uh, members are going to comment on on some of their experiences with the Hoyts. Um, then on Sunday morning, we're going to have a social ride that'll start um, at the Greenville High School parking lot, and it'll go to uh, a Club Lake, which is a private lake in Greenville. Uh, we've rented the social club there, and we're going to have a catered breakfast, um, and then we're going to have a presentation there. And then... Everybody will ride back to the beginning, which is about a 30 mile route.
1: Okay, fairly so. Fairly easy route. You kind of laid out, uh, um, again, the, the ride, the Cotton Pass Challenge can be done by itself with no, as a rider, come in and do that ride and, and have no connection to the uh, Texas Legends of Cycling. But also, if you want to do both, you can pay a little bit more and get. The Texas Legends of Cycling event and get all of the VIP experience. Correct. Yeah. So the cost of that is kind of a lot, but considering that you're helping to support the Northeast Texas Trail and getting all the VIP experience, um, it's it's probably worth it. Talk about the cost and what all, uh, who all's going to be there, and and those kind of things.
2: Uh, the cost for the for the whole weekend, if you register before September 1st, is $200, um, which does include the wine tasting. It does include whatever choice of ride you want to do on on. Uh, Saturday morning. Uh, You will get a uh, polo shirt, a custom Texas Legend polo shirt to go with that. You will get the gravel grinder socks, uh, the custom gravel grinder socks to go along with that. Uh, And then you get a cotton patch uh, t-shirt for the cotton patch ride. Two shirts,
1: a yeah. T-shirt and a polo. Yes. Very cool. And then you get the opportunity to rub shoulders with some uh, pretty important folks in cycling on the, the, throughout the weekend. Talk Ye- about those guys.
2: Yes, we do anticipate uh, some pretty important. Bob'll, Bob's pretty familiar with who's going to be coming from some of the sponsors, so he can probably share that with yeah. you. Yeah,
1: go ahead, Bob.
3: Well, Jim Hoyt has a, a very close relationship with Lance Armstrong, hmm? and there's a 50-50 chance that Lance may decide to, sh- to join us, and if he does, that'll, really, that'll make the weekend.
1: Very cool. Uh, so yeah, he's obviously a uh, Texas legend of, of cycling as well. Uh, surely he'll be on your list sometime in the future years. Um, talk about some of the uh, the bike um, manufacturers that are going to have representatives here for the weekend as Our well. Our title
3: sponsor is sram and they're component manufacturer. Uh, been in existence probably for what eight, ten years, or maybe longer. Oh,
0: w- way longer. Way yeah. longer than
3: that. Uh, we've got five guys coming down from sram and. Uh, Richardson Bike Mart is also a, a sponsor, mm-hmm. uh, at, at along with Trek Bicycles. Those are our three major sponsors. Okay. We also have um, a sponsorship from the specialized rep, a guy by the name of Bob Markovicius out of California. And Bob's going to come and, and uh, be with us, uh, and he's bringing a buddy with him. So I'm really excited to be able to meet all these people. Uh, Janet Davis from Trek is going to come and ride with us and participate Saturday night. and uh, it's just going to be a fun event.
1: So an engineer nerd my, like myself, uh, it would be kind of cool to get a chance to talk to some of these folks that are responsible for designing and coming up with the components and the bike parts that, that we're all riding with. So it's definitely a unique opportunity to go out and talk to, to some of those folks that are, are responsible for making the bike the way it is. And, and
3: No question. We were talking about the electric bikes that's sitting just over here to your right. Yeah. Somebody said, you got to go try and ride that. <laughs> and I this don't know who came up with the electric bike. Max probably knows. Do you know anything about
0: I, that? I don't know who. I mean, it's been there's been versions around for a long time. So I'm, I'm not really sure, but they've really gained a lot of traction, and and uh, that's kind of the a big way that that uh, you know cycling's going. On. You know, all the big companies are pushing electric I, bikes. I noticed at
1: Rad this year that there was. I mean, there's always kind of been presence there the last few years, but this year I, I seem to notice them a lot more than I did in previous years. Danny, did you notice that any?
2: You know, I didn't really pay attention to that. You're, Jim. you're, wait, you're
1: <laughs> going so fast, you don't I, have a was, chance to look around. I was
2: watching all the regular bikes, but I know there is uh, yeah. quite a few, and you can. Uh, there is yeah. day use there. I, I used a uh, I think a Trek electric bike uh, last not this
1: year, but last year. Yeah, uh, there's was definitely nice. a lot of the vendors had them. Um, it's
0: just get it gets people involved in riding that that may maybe wouldn't get involved otherwise, and maybe. They somebody could go out and ride with somebody that they normally couldn't stay with. They can get on an yeah. electric bike and and kind of equalizes a little bit. Yep. Um, people also use them for commuting and things like that. It makes it a little easier to get up to speed in traffic. Um, yeah.
1: So if you if you're just starting and you may, you maybe don't have legs for a 20 mile ride with these things, you can do a 20 mile ride. Right. Absolutely. Then,
0: so people can yeah. kind of get get their feet wet, get started, and then some people just just enjoy the way the, yep. the electric bike rides and and uh, let them go places they couldn't go being outdoors getting outdoors you know so
1: with these various uh, uh, bike vendors and bike component vendors how are they going to be involved other than sponsorship dollars how are they going to be involved with the Texas Legends of Cycling are they going to be given talks or presentations on Sunday morning
3: well they're going to be riding with us okay telling Max earlier um, Stan Day from SRAM is bringing four other guys so it'll be the top the top four guys the founders of this company We'll be riding with, uh, with Jim and Rhonda and Max and Dan, all of us, on Saturday morning. But they are actually, they have a sixth guy who's driving down and he's gonna have all the bicycles. So they're bringing their own bikes and they got a guy doing the driving, so we're gonna obviously give him an opportunity to join us for all the events as well.
1: Very cool, so g- looking forward, I'm sure you don't wanna announce any names now, but have you guys already started to iron who may be honored next year and the following years? Are there kind of some obvious choices that you guys have already started to think about?
2: Um, yeah, we'll probably stay in, in North Texas. We eventually want to have all of Texas represented in yep. this event. Um, you know, the next obvious one seemed to be probably the Hottern Hell. Um, you know, the people that uh, originator of the Hottern Hill, so we'll probably go that route next year. Um, so probably
1: not everyone knows what that is. What
2: is the Hottern Hill? Uh well if you're in Texas you probably do. That's probably true. You can ride a bike I would assume. Uh, hotter than hell is probably the I would say probably the biggest century ride in Texas. Yeah, uh, Texas it's for one sure. Of the Always been. rides
0: around in fact if yeah. if you're a bicycle racer um the first question somebody from Texas will ask you um well have you ridden hotter than hell. You know, they think that's that's the thing. That's like the world championships to people from texas did you, did you have you ridden and race well, 100 and
1: you were uh good enough uh, in 2013 to win the the 50 and over uh road racing as part of that event right now, yeah i've participated
0: yeah. in in the races for many years and have uh, um you know had su- su- some success over the years there you, yeah. you had a he's, quite being, a
1: mod- year. he's yeah, being modest yeah. i've done my research i can tell in <laughs> <Yeah>, 2013 <laughs> you had quite a year i remember i remember seeing you had a couple wins and uh a handful of top five, so that's that speaks yeah. well of you. That's that's yeah. really kind of cool, and it's neat to have someone like that working at a bike shop because there's no question you have the knowledge of what what it takes to to get the right parts underneath the right rider. So
0: yeah, that's, we try, we try really hard.
1: That's definitely good. I'm sure you're not the only uh, good cyclist working at these shops. There's there's other. we any have others. quite
0: a few um, very experienced cyclists that work at Richmond Bike Mart, but we have a real mix of people who, you know, recreational riders to racers to mountain bike uh, riders, you know, a big variety um, and uh, basically we try to approach, it doesn't matter what our experience level is we try to approach each customer just right where they're at and yeah. you know we have to remember each one of us started somewhere and so it, even as experienced as we are we got to be careful that we, you know, we, we talk to the customer where they're at and, and, and let them know that there's no dumb questions, you know, they don't know, there's no reason they would know Yep. And so On
1: uh, season one, episode one of this show of the Lumen Innovation Podcast, we uh, were up at Ragbrai in last year of 2017. So go back and listen to that episode. But uh, Ragbrai, Dan has been to that. Have you been to? You've been there several I've times, and have done, you? I've you done, okay, okay so all of us have been I to Ragbrai a few times. I
0: Actually, did it with the Hoyts uh, a few okay. years ago. Wow, that's pretty
1: cool. That's <laughs> yeah. that's definitely a neat thing. But that that event is is cool for countless reasons. But part of it is because there's all skill levels there. There's there's people like you out riding. There's the 12 year old who's never ridden more than 20 miles in their life. There's everything in between. Um, I've not yet been to Hotter Hell. How? What are the demographics out there? Is it generally all good serious riders, or is it a little bit of everything?
0: A little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, because there's shorter distances or longer distances. So you'll see all all kinds of people there as well. I mean, there are a lot of serious riders because, it, you know, the name Hotter and Hell and the distance that everybody thinks the hotter and Hell 100. Um, so a lot of the people are going to tackle that are going to be serious cyclists. But there's all levels that ride it.
1: Okay. That's that's good to know. Even I could do it then. See, Dan? Sure. See, I, I could do that. Uh, that is coming up next weekend, right? You guys are going to head out to Wichita yeah. Falls and uh, – are you going as well?
0: I'm not going to go this year. I've been okay. twenty plus times, twenty five times, something like that. I don't know, but it, uh, not this year.
3: And Bob, not in. not in. Not in. Okay. At my age, the the longer rides in that heat, decided just to stay home and do my twenty five miles at home.
1: How many folks from Greenville are you
2: taking with you? Uh, you and Jerry. Well, Mars, I'm we sure. we had five, and then we had a couple of injuries, so we're three. Okay. Yeah.
1: But I'm sure they're three good riders. So.
2: Uh, yeah. We like to ride the bike. Yeah.
1: Let's break out of the program I'm here for a few seconds to give a shout out to our sponsor, Puzzometry, the hardest puzzle you'll never solve. If you love working on challenging, unique, and beautiful mechanical puzzles, then you've just got to try Puzzometry. P-U-Z-Z-O-M-E-T-R-Y, Puzzometry.com. They have three different puzzles to choose from, and all are for sale at Puzzometry.com. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Puzzometry can also be found on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Luma Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation. Before we get back to the program, I want to let you know that you can find all of the episodes of the Luma Innovation Podcast on our webpage, Lumenovation.com. That's L-U-M, innovation.com, Lumenovation.com. We are also on iTunes, as well as SoundCloud.com. The Greenville event, you guys have the Emerald City Band playing every year. Will they be back this year?
2: Yes, they'll be there Friday night. That's a free concert uh, okay. on the square in front of Landon Winery.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. that's definitely a good show. That, the time I was there, was it last year or year before, that it very much reminded me of Rag Bri as well with the big concerts in the evenings.
2: Yeah, they're, they're a big-time band locally, and I've played some state events and national events, and we usually draw, uh, uh, this Chamber of Commerce puts that uh, portion of the event on, um, so they, we usually draw some pretty big numbers. Talk
1: to about, so this is your first year doing the Legends of Cycling, but you've spent uh, a dozen or so years working to try to organize the ride. If there's someone out there listening that wants to organize a ride in their town, what do they need to know? What, what is a good first step? plan ahead plan ahead <laughs>
2: yeah it takes a lot of planning <laughs> so
1: you know, we get people government permits you get security with cops blocking off the roads and well yeah you had to work
2: with local governments uh, you know yeah. cities and county and sometimes in our case we have to work with state because we have a lot of state highways that go through greenville um but it it and then you you also if you're going to do a ride and you've never done one before and organizing it you have to check the calendar to see if there are yeah. any other rides that you're going to be competing with. And if you are competing them, how close are they? Uh, what are the demographics of the area? Uh, so I think, you know, setting a date is probably, you know, the most important and checking out who is competing for that date. Cause in North Texas, they start, well, for racing events, they're pretty much all year round. If you th- consider cyclocross and mountain biking and road racing, but with the, uh, Social rides they start pretty much March and go through. Probably the Denton ride is probably the last bigger ride, which is in November. Around Thanksgiving, I know down
1: in Houston area the uh, rides start in January and and really get hot and heavy leading up until April for the MS150 ride for Houston to Austin. It seems like all of the rides in the spring are are more or less training rides for the MS150, and then of course as the heat sets in in June and July the rides slow down. But uh, but you're you're right scheduling that to where you're not. Conflicting with another event, or you know, make sure that the, the rides are kind of working together to to fill the calendar and get uh, get the riders spread around.
2: And funny you'd mention that because I want uh, I want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, we originally scheduled the Texas Legends to actually be in 2016, okay. and we had started the planning with it. And we were pretty far into it. We had talked to the Hoyts. Uh, we had talked to Woody, and um, one of the one of the girls in our group said, uh, "You know." Emmett Smith is talking about doing a Grand Fondo. And they said, wow. oh, well, and you know what? It's the same date that you picked. I go, wow, we didn't know about that. So we went online, and sure enough, they were just, in March of uh, 2016, they were putting out some of the feelers about the Grand Fondo event.
1: Um, and Emmett Smith, as a reminder, is one of the greatest cyclists of all. Oh, wait, no, 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 <laughs> he's not, no. <laughs> and I th- Emmett Smith, I think, is a loyal Richardson Bike Mart um,
2: uh, follower because uh, I think he buys the stuff from Bike Mart. So we knew I asked and I, I called Woody and talked to him and I said uh, um, I, I, I assume you're going to be involved in Emmett Smith's project. He said yeah, yeah we are and I said well you know probably not a good idea to put these on the same weekend and they're already further into it than we are with more support so we decided to put it off for one year and then that year rolled around and um I talked to Bob about it, he said, Bob said, well, we don't, we don't have any, we're in kind of the midst of changing leadership for the Northeast Texas Trail, so this year probably would not be a good year, so we wanted to keep the quality of the event high, since it's a premium cycling event where you pay extra money, um, so we decided, well, we're going to shoot for this year, 2018, so we started our meetings in, I think we started talking in November last year. We started having formal meetings. So we've been working on it actually over two years, two and a half years we've been working on it.
1: One cool thing about the event is not only the Cotton Pass Challenge but also the Texas Legends. That whole weekend serves as a neat way to uh, take care of today's generation of riders by having a ride to go do that weekend. Uh, takes care of previous generations of riders by honoring the previous generation with the Hoyts. It takes care of the next generation of writers by helping to build a trail in northeast Texas. So it's really kind of cool that it connects all the dots. It's, yeah. it's really covering, covering all of that. Uh, give one more shout-out about how, how do people find out more. Is there a website, or uh, how do they find out more?
2: There is a website. Bob uh, mentioned the website earlier. Bob, what was that website? You,
3: well, the, 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 you can go to the northeast Texas trail website and click on the Texas Legends event, yeah, and that will take you to Bike Reg, which is a registration website, and it will give you an opportunity to register for w- any one of the three events. Cotton okay. Patch, the Gravel Grind, or the Texas Legends. So
1: that's NETexas Trail, Yes, and off to the right is a tab uh, for the Texas right the Legends. It
3: says Texas Legends. Yeah. Click on that and you'll see the picture of Jim and Rhonda and all the information about them and about the ride.
1: Very cool. And before we move on to the next segment, talk specifically. Uh, um, you guys are hoping to raise several thousand dollars to this event. What What is the immediate need for the trail? Where will these dollars be used for immediately? We
3: will be using them to provide match money for the section between Celeste and Wolf City, which is the, you know, it's about an eight-mile stretch. Okay. It's in Hunt County. It's it's one of two sections in Hunt County and we've had a group uh, develop themselves really in Wolf City and they've raised a significant money already. A guy by the name of Hank Pickering, who works in Greenville but lives in Wolf City and he's really fired up the people in that small town and previously we had virtually no representation. So we'll use the money that we raise this year probably to improve bridges, maybe put railings on the bridges and then um, know if we get the grant then we'll be able to surface you know put down a surface or at least grade it drainage those kinds of things the the initial process like we're doing up in paris rocks.
1: okay i on occasion when i get an open weekend i'll go up north of houston to the uh, sam houston national forest and do uh some hiking there at the lone star uh i forget the formal name is it lone star hiking trail um and they also have an organization that helps support the trail and they maintenance it and they're trying to get grants and all of this but the one thing that they're they wish they had more of is not only dollars but bodies to help uh, or do you have that same problem where you're having a hard time finding people to to help uh, do all the kind volunteer, of the grunt work
3: volunteerism is uh, is critical to the to the success of this particular venture this Northeast Texas tail requires people um, you know Max and I have been out working with another group you know working on the bridges between Celeste and uh, and Merritt and we've had people out there mowing and it's all volunteer
1: so how, do, how does someone volunteer if someone's listening here and they live, uh, we're near Farmers, uh, Farmersville, how do they get in touch with you to... The
3: best way to call me is just call me at the house, 903-883-0218 and say, hey, I want to get interested in the trail.
1: One more time slower so they can 903-883-0218. write it down. 903-883-0218. Eight,
3: eight,
1: Bob Moody, give him a call if you want to volunteer and uh, help maintenance the Northeast Texas Trail. Uh, let's uh, recap one more time. We're here at the Richardson Bike Mart in McKinney, Texas. Uh, talk about the history of your store, and we talked a, bit, a little bit about that earlier. Uh, what did we miss? Uh, so It started in 1962, right?
0: Yeah. Now, Jim wasn't the original owner. It was, it was uh, called Bike Mart. He actually uh, bought that store um, after he retired, or not retired, but left Schwinn. He was a Schwinn rep back when Schwinn was actually a Quality bicycle, and uh, we <laughs> that
1: implies they're not now.
0: <laughs> they, it implies they aren't now. Unfortunately, <laughs> that the, that family sold the name, and and uh, now those bikes are sold at Walmart, and they're they're just a the name. The, the name is only the, you know there. But um, anyway, yeah. But it was a it was a Schwinn dealer at the time, and uh, and so Jim came in and and started that store, and it was just a little bitty little bitty store, um, and then he took it from there and uh and grew it when I came into the store the first time in nineteen eighty four I think it was, and bought my first bike from uh from jim and a a man named uh Mike pluto who uh has also been around cycling for a long time uh, you know it was a little tiny shop i mean it's small- way smaller than this shop here and uh you know, then, of course, now you can see, you know, anybody that knows Bike Mart has grown a lot since then.
1: So the one that is now basically the size of a Walmart is kind of the, the movement of that original store? It is. is it's they, the, okay. it,
0: it was at, at that time, it, it, when it started, it was at uh, Beltline and, uh, and Coit Road. Um, and now it's at um, Campbell and Coit Road. So okay. it just moved down the road into a bigger space. It, it had expanded a couple of times where it originally sat, and then it it's expanded into the bigger space, and then we've actually expanded even more in that space, so it's kind of gone both directions and expanded out, so um, it's just as, as business grew and the demand was there, um, you know, Jim Jim's a pretty savvy business guy, and he, you know, took advantage of, of you know, the expanding interest in bikes and uh, and did really well.
1: Well, that's neat that the, the the chain is expanding. You just opened this one a few months ago. I know some of the bike shops down in Houston are struggling right now, mostly because of online sales, which of course are impacting almost every traditional retailer. How are you, how are you fighting that? It's
0: well, I mean, the uh, cycling industry has had a period of kind of being flat to some extent for multiple reasons. I mean, it, it always goes up and down. You know, there's there's good times and, and uh, times that aren't as good. Um, but, uh, you know, we just really strive on service in the customer, whether it's through our service department Amazon
1: cannot provide that right just, yep. and just sure. taking yeah.
0: taking take taking care of each person that comes to the door the best we can and and uh um you know creating a loyalty that's really where Jim's strength was is jim uh i mean everybody that he worked with probably left thinking they were best friends, i mean he yeah. just had a way of taking care of his customers and, uh, you know, treating them in a way that they they really left there knowing what they, you know, that that he gave them what was the right bike. Jim, really what, this is probably the real secret with Jim is that he's passionate about what he does, and so it wasn't just, I'm going to try to sell you a bike. I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about cycling, and he... Showed that passion by the way he treated his customers.
1: It's kind of an understatement, I'm sure, but he's kind of a big deal in Texas cycling, isn't he? He, <laughs>
0: he is, and and you know, really, um, you know, I, I just my personal example. I went in there, didn't know anything, bought a bike. He went out on my, he went on the very first group ride with me, um, you know, to kind of show me the ropes. I did, I did drop him, but um, <laughs> <laughs> then he hired yeah. you, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, I, you know, I haven't really worked all this time at Richson Bike Mart, I was, he, he sponsored me as a racer for many, many years. So we had a relationship as a sponsor, you know, him being a sponsor, um, as I, you know, once I got into racing. But the truth of the matter is, is Jim really created the cycling community in the DFW area. Yep. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of shops around and there definitely wasn't a lot of shops that were putting money into all the different events. And Jim really, almost any cycling event his name was on it i mean there was Richardson bike mart almost any any event that was happening and not only events but clubs so you'd go around and you see this club had Richardson bike mart on the jersey this club you know a lot of different clubs and Richson bike mart over the years has pumped literally millions of dollars into the cycling community and advocacy groups so whether it's with northeast texas trail they're they they've just donated a lot of money to a, a, a trail up in or a a uh, trail system or connecting system up in dallas called the loop which is connecting all of the paved trails that go through dallas to make it a 50 mile continuous trail and uh, things like that where you're not going to find a lot of the other um players involved at that level you know they're they're doing a little sponsorship here they may have a race team that type of thing and not to you know totally pat ourselves in the back but Jim really was the the one that started that and Jim is a extremely and with Rhonda as well. I mean it's it's a it's a joint effort but they uh, are very generous and they have done so much for for the cycling community for individual cyclists, um racers, young racers that have moved up, you know, obviously the 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 most well known is 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 Lance. I mean Jim gave Jim his Lance's mom lived across the street from the first bike shop and uh she brought Lance over there when he was a little boy and she was a single mom didn't you know didn't have the money to buy a bike and Jim gave Lance his first bike didn't you know he didn't know who Lance Armstrong was going to be he didn't know he was going to be a <laughs> great cyclist he was site. 8 or 9 years old at the time yeah, or something kid. right yeah and yeah. Lance spoke at Jim's 60th birthday party and I Nobody got the the speech recorded, which which uh, wish somebody would have gotten it. Cause it was it was. Well, there, a, there's
1: one on YouTube I just saw last night of him. Uh, uh, sending they had a banquet of some sort for some event, and they sent in a video. His mom spoke live, and then the video of him speaking. So I don't. know. Well, it I probably
0: wasn't because I don't think that one was recorded. But it was it, it was incredible the way he described how that bicycle meant freedom for him, and that wow. bicycle nice. created this sense of adventure. I think we can all relate to that, right? And That's right, and go true. out and 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 go around the corner and to see this and see that and he said you know that really was the start of his you know his cycling at that time you so know. Uh,
1: the, the hell that is my head uh i kind of went into uh, when you're telling that story i started thinking about golf so tiger woods of course is making some some noise now on on tour but uh you know 10 years ago when he was definitely leader of the pack and, and at the peak of his career uh, it was amazing on a sunday afternoon after he had won a tournament every driving range in the area was totally full His impact was not just on TV and ratings, but it was affecting the local businesses. I suspect that when Lance Armstrong was at the the peak of his game, that was good for business.
0: Right, it was. You know, it it definitely increased the awareness of cycling in, you know, the whole United States or the world, really. I mean, he was a dynamic personality. Um, You know, obviously, some things haven't gone, uh, you know, storybook with that whole thing. But um, still, he brought a ton of attention he, you know, yeah. to to the cycling community and uh, and to cycling in general. I mean, just a respect for cycling, if that makes yeah. sense. So it was, yeah, it's good for business. I,
1: uh, in prepar- uh, preparing for the show, I actually sent a tweet out to him yesterday to say, "Hey, do you have any uh, words to to say about Jim Hoyt?" Um, it's my understanding he's in Europe right now visiting Jan Ulrich. Uh, he Ulrich is, or he Ulrich. Yeah, uh, oh. I saw that he went yeah. to
0: see Jan Ulrich. Jan, yeah. Jan is was one of his big I competitors and. Uh, had um you know they butted heads and and really competed against each other but he really respected him and yeah. jan has been having some some <laughs> issues yeah. um and in li- life and and uh it's pretty cool that lance went over there to kind of yeah. give him a little boost of encouragement
1: and we see him uh i've i've seen him two out of the last three years up at um ragbri as well so he still does a few days a week a few days out of the seven of that every year and that's kind of yeah. neat that he's um Still, kind of, kind of round, and it's it's surely good PR for him to get involved in these things too. Well, so. you you did more than see him. I saw a selfie with you and Lance That's and true. Jimmy Johnson. And I think yeah, that was a couple years ago. Then yeah. this year, uh, we saw him out on the road, and uh, and the friend that I was riding with was kind of I don't know starstruck or something. And I said, like, heck with this, I'm going to go. So I rode up right beside him. We rode for probably 10, min- ten minutes or so together and just talking. Um, so it was kind of neat to to see him, and, and it was it was kind of cool that he doesn't really have an entourage. His entourage that day was his daughter and his wife. Um, so he's, he's just out out riding amongst the cornfields of Iowa like everyone else is. And it's uh, Yeah, he, he just gets to be a regular dude at that point, and mm-hmm. he probably doesn't get too many chances for that as a, as a celebrity, and even though he's a few years kind of past his peak celebrity it's, it's probably kind of relaxing for him to just kind of go and chill and be one of the guys. Mm-hmm. So Definitely kind of cool. Uh, let's see, where, where else can we, we go here? Um, what is uh, Jim and Rhonda's current involvement with the store? They're no longer owners, but you guys are still well, friends. And, and they
0: still—I mean—they still have some ownership in the store. I you see. Know, okay. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, Woody has come up several times in our conversation. A lot of people may not know who Woody is, but Woody is actually Ken Smith. Um, Rhonda gave him the the name Woody um, many years ago as a nickname, and uh, now that's what he goes by as Woody. But uh, he's the current operating owner he's the president of the company and 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 runs runs the thing and jim still has you know kind of back some backdoor involvement. involvement mean, he's still involved and and keeps it keeps an eye on what's going on but uh he and Rhonda have retired down to uh a ranch in fredericksburg texas oh i see um, okay really neat place um have a 1876 restored cabin that sits up on top of a hill nice. um just a Beautiful area, great views, and they're really enjoying life down there.
1: And uh, you mentioned you've got somewhere close to a quarter million miles of cycling in. That's my understanding. He's got a similar number of miles, perhaps not as fast, but uh, similar total total miles.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I okay. Yeah, some we joke joke with is about his math sometimes, but uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But but the point is, he's still he's still out on he the bike and riding they, a lot. And yeah, so they so. love. I mean, they, they they show that their passion for the sport. They still ride on a regular basis. And, and
1: tandems, right? They ride together.
0: They ride tandem. They've got lately. They've been riding more solo bikes, but um, from their their house now, literally, you can go out on the road and and ride for hours and see a few cars. I mean, so they're in an area now where it's the much less traffic and and it's the scenery's great and and uh, so they're just really yeah. enjoying that and they yeah. still do some traveling in their tra- their uh, travel trailer and and do a bike events all over yeah. the country uh,
1: i definitely know what you said is correct that riding through that part of texas is uh is a completely different style of riding i, I did a solo ride across texas a few years ago and the, right through the central part of the hill country and west of austin you know north of san antonio is just a pretty place to ride and yeah. very little traffic really wide shoulders it's yep. definitely really, really neat. Uh, Dan and Bob, talk about how involvement of Richardson Bike Mart and other bike shops like that, when they get plugged into your events, how how does that change your event? Why is that good for your events?
3: Well, I can tell you, without Woody Smith, we would have <laughs> we wouldn't be anywhere because he's put us in contact with all the sponsors. Uh, he got you know he told Jim about what we're trying to do, and now I talk to Jim on a weekly basis. I give him a call. But Woody's been tremendous. Um, he's facilitated the sponsorship from SRAM, from Trek, from Specialized, and and made an effort to get some additional sponsors involved, which we haven't been able to get.
1: And the, those connections with years. those manufacturers are so strong with you guys because you're one of the top ten sellers in each of those categories throughout it, yeah, the that, country. Yeah, that right?
0: helps, right. And and Jim created a, a really great relationship with, with the, 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 the bike companies and—, and uh, and in Shram's case, actually, Shram, uh, Wood, uh, Jim was the first dealer for them back when they really were literally operating out of their trunk of their car. <laughs> and I think actually even sleeping in their car, possibly, hmm, from oh what I understand. No. And Jim actually let them stay at his house for a week and a half when they were in town. Oh, wow. That's kind uh, of cool. I mean, back then, they were no. giving away product to try to get people started. It was They started with a product called Grip Shift. And... Uh, you know, everybody's like, "What is this?" And they would give it to you free to put on your bike, and and they're really a kind of a grassroots uh, success story where they started out and just pounded the pavement, and now we're. One of the biggest yeah. component. I think companies. Nike. Nike
1: started out the same way, right? The guy was selling tennis shoes more or less out of the trunk of his car, and yeah, and mm-hmm. and it's that
0: kind of story. That that kind yeah. of you know rags to riches, but but a lot of hard work involved. And and Jim was uh, somebody that helped give him a boost up to start with, and they've always you know appreciated that. So
1: yeah, that's that's amazing. He's had an impact not just in Texas, but that's a worldwide brand now. That's Absolutely, that's, that's definitely a big brand. Very cool. got um, well, an interesting story yeah. for you.
3: Woody was talking about when, when uh, Jim bought the business. The people he bought the business from now live in West Tawakonee, which is along the route that we'll be yeah. using for the cotton patch. Jim called me up and he said, I want, I think it's Gerald and Mary Howell, to come to the banquet on Saturday night. He says, and I'll pay for them. So he's invited the people that he bought the store from back in the 60s. -hmm. These people are still living. They're going to come to this event in respect uh, for Jim and Rhonda. Well, that's pretty good. That is a great story. Yeah, that's
1: definitely neat that it's uh, it's bringing credibility to your event. I mean, your event has been around for 15 years or so, but getting these big names and big sponsors and and unique stories is definitely going to help build your event more and more throughout the years.
2: Uh, Going back to how Rich and Bike Mart has helped, Tex legend Bob covered really good, but... Uh, I was involved, we were both involved in the cotton patch for years, and and Bike Mart was always there. We, we, You know, there's a lot of things going on in a bike ride that you have to uh, manage and uh, time schedules and everything and when things need to be done, but we never had to worry about and Bike Mart because they always would come through on their part, which they usually would provide us with numbers for the participants, and they would help promote it. That we'd put flyers in their store. Um, and uh they were they were always great they're always willing to give something um to the event and i'm sure we're, we were no different than every other event out there they probably i'm sure they do the same thing for every event in road rate road riding and uh gravel um and uh cycle cross i know they're involved in all of those aspects yeah, they, of cycling they,
0: they they their sponsorship runs pretty deep um you know and and uh, there's times when it gets questioned obviously and from people that work at the store and different things like why are we spending money here or there but that's kind of the foundation that that jim spent and it it's not always based on we can get a clear cut like this is going to make this is going to be profitable this is sometimes it's from the heart and jim the thing that jim will always say is is do what feels right from the heart he said that to me so many times just do what feels right from the heart and it'll 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 work out yeah i've talked to
1: other business uh, people and entrepreneurs on the show and and Advertising is black magic. You just you put a dollar out on advertising, you have no idea if that dollar is coming back or if you might get a hundred dollars back from it. And that's right. and well, you're it right. It's just kind of your best gut feeling about it.
0: Well, and and in cycling sponsorship, it's probably even more so. I mean, when you put your name on somebody's jersey, I mean, how how much is that going to return? You yeah. know, if you support some small event over here, that you really it's really sometimes hard to know. But again, that's what really grew the sport in this area, and Really, the, even a lot of the bike shops that exist now wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Jim and the way he's built the, the community.
1: Yeah, like I, like I mentioned, down in Houston, the one thing that really, I, I don't know if this is scientifically correct, but it, my gut feeling is that the one thing that really builds a cycling community down there is the Houston-Austin MS-150 ride. And all the, all the other rides are kind of in support of that, unofficially or not. They're, they're more or less practice rides for that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you guys are doing the same thing up here as you just kind of spread in the infrastructure and and then the, the growth comes behind that. Right. And right. That's definitely so, a, a good business model. Yep. Yeah. It,
0: it, it uh, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to put a, you know, really a dollar figure on what you know, as far as what the return is. But it's it's worked, you know, in the long run, it's, it's shown that it works.
1: Any plans to um, expand not just beyond uh, North Texas, but perhaps South Texas or Oklahoma or Arkansas?
0: not that I know of. I don't think I don't think we'll be doing any expansion. You know, we've talked about doing a, a store down kind of by the Katy Trail um in uh, Dallas at downtown Dallas area, but uh as far as anything beyond, you know, the, this this area, I I don't see that happen anytime soon.
1: Okay. Uh you, of course, probably 20 years ago there was no uh guess that there would be as many stores as you have now, right? So, so you never so, know. Yeah, 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 I mean,
0: uh, over over time, you know, obviously we'll continue to, to grow and expand, hopefully, and and uh, you never know where it could go.
1: Very cool. So, of all the choices you had to honor Jim Hoyt, uh, recap again why he is the right guy for the f- very first inaugural Legends of Cycling in Texas here.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I don't I don't know that we really it was such an obvious choice. I don't know that we really 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 didn't kick a lot out a number of names. He, he was
1: just. And there was no. Jim no and Ron are such an obvious like,
2: choice, yeah. on how they've impacted the North Texas community, um, and uh, you know, and and going through all the planning we have for this, they've just been, or Jim has just been tremendous as far as his support, and Woody, his support and cooperation with everything. I mean, we really needed to have something strong coming out of the gate, and I don't know how we. It would be hard that, to yeah. hope for anything better than what we've, the cooperation we got from the Hoyts.
1: Very cool. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up by going around the table and giving one more shout-out to either a website or a social media or a phone number to get in touch with Cotton Patch and the Legends of Cycling event. Go Cotton ahead. Patch. Cotton Patch, you can actually go to the Cotton Patch
2: website, which is www.cottonpatchchallenge.com, yeah. and you can get access to all the Cotton Patch events, plus – there will be a link there for the Texas Legend of Cycling also. Uh, yes,
1: I've said that a little bit wrong here in the last few minutes. Texas Legends of Cycling. Very right. cool. And uh, website and social media for Richardson well Bike I'm Mart? I'm sure
0: that, yeah, you, you know, they can go to bikemart.com. So it's pretty simple, bikemart.com. And all the events are listed on there, and they can go from those and link to um, the Cotton Patch and, and get to the you know Texas Legend from there as well.
1: So. And your Twitter account is richbikemart, I think, right? At BikeMart.
0: Our Twitter? Yeah. I don't deal with our Twitter account, okay. so to be honest with <laughs> you. Yeah. I have no idea what our Twitter account <laughs> is. Okay. Do you know who,
1: who runs that? It, I, I'm pretty sure it is at Rich Bike Mart, but do you know who runs that account?
0: Um, it's uh, Quentin Taylor is the the uh, person that runs our social media. Okay. So Very
1: cool. Uh, how about you? Uh, another shout out for your website or uh, point uh, of yeah, contact.
3: Not only the website and you can go to northeasttexastrail.org also, N- e- okay?
1: NEtexastrail.org. Uh, you
3: you can actually spell it out northeasttexastrail.org. Oh. Oh, okay. The NE Texas Trail is um, our Facebook group. We've got over 4,000 followers on our Facebook page. Very they're cool. very active. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to our, our coalition because not only Earl Erickson, but we have a secretary named Kelly Whitley, and she has done a bang up job in promoting our coalition and this 130 mile trail, which is supposed to be the fifth longest in the country.
1: Okay, very cool. I've seen uh, either fourth or fifth, depending on where I, where I look at it. But either way, it's a, it is a good long trail and, and getting better with the more donation dollars that come in, so very cool. Well, thanks, uh, Dan. Thanks, Max. And thanks, Bob, for uh, being on the Innovation podcast. Thank you, Jim, for doing Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Good job. To the Loom Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live.